Welcome to the Lindsay Morrison Podcast. Lindsay is a leading consultant in the world of group fitness. Join Lindsay as she chats all things group fitness, fitness management, and interviews industry experts on the latest fitness trends, stats, and insights. This is episode number 14 of the Lindsay Morrison Podcast with Clive Omrod, who is the CEO of Les Mills International. And it was an absolute privilege and honor to have him uh, as a guest on my podcast. One of the, the best podcasts I think I've done so far. It was hugely insightful. We talk about all things Les Mills. You guys will get to know Clive a bit more on a personal level and what it's like to be the CEO of one of the biggest fitness companies in the world. He also dives into how Les Mills are working with instructors to help them achieve greatness and how that Les Mills work with clubs to make sure that, that the experiences they create, they create for their members are really awesome and that the members are the heartbeat of what they do. So it gives me great pleasure and without further ado, enjoy this episode. It gives me great pleasure and I'm so privileged to have Clive Omrod, the CEO of Les Mills International on the Lindsay Morrison podcast. So thank you so much, Clive, for taking some time out to have a chat with me today and let the listeners find out a bit more about you and your role within Les Mills. Absolute pleasure, Lindsay, and, um, and thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to joining us and having a chat with you. So it's great we've been able to find some time. I know, I know you must be hugely busy um, and with the, the time difference and stuff as well, it can be a bit challenging, but we're here and we are, we're online and we are, we're connecting. So that's, that's amazing. So first of all, for the listeners, if you could just explain exactly who is Clive and what do you do? Yeah, sounds good. I mean, it's, um, it's a big question that Clive Omrod, who is Clive Omrod? Well, I'm um, at the heart of it, you know, I'm someone that's just really passionate about wanting to help people. You know, I, I, I definitely get my energy and I get out of bed to hopefully play a role in people's lives to, to help them believe in themselves, to inspire them, to coach them, to achieve things that maybe they, other, they thought otherwise wasn't possible. You know, I, I definitely enjoy the biggest part of my job being the people connection part and the role I have in terms of building teams and coaching people and I guess giving them a sense of belief and self-confidence so at its heart Clive Ormrod is someone that definitely loves helping people and that's something that I've definitely found over the last 10 years being the thing that gives me the most energy myself so while I put energy into it it's something I get massive amounts of energy back and it's definitely the thing I want to be spending my time doing going forward I think um, on top of that you know personally I am from Africa. I was born in Zimbabwe, uh, grew up in South Africa, and then moved to New Zealand when I was 17. And uh, New Zealand is home, so I would call myself a New Zealander. I might not necessarily sound like a New Zealander. I still carry a bit of a South African accent, but uh, New Zealand is home. Uh, it's where my wife, Diana, and our two kids, the four of us, live. And uh, it's definitely going to be our home for the future. My mum lives here, sister lives here. So the whole family is here from, from Africa as well. Um, you know, that said, I, I did spend a, a lot of uh, the last 10 years in the UK and Ireland and Europe. Um, so I lived over there for, for, for quite a while. And it's definitely shaped who I am. It's definitely shaped some of my thinking and um, the way I approach certain things. Um, but yeah, we've been back in New Zealand now for four years. and really enjoying it and the thing I love about this job and we'll no doubt talk about it a little bit later is the opportunity it gives you to connect with different people around the world and um, different cultures and you have such an awesome opportunity to learn from people every day in different environments which um, is something I'm always trying to do so yeah so in a, in a nutshell that is who Clive Ormrod is at its heart and um, it's something that I'm you know, always looking to push myself to get better around. You know, I'm really mindful of the, the role we can all play and the, the opportunity we all have to show up every day and make a massive impact. And um, it's something I definitely set myself a high standard on. That's amazing. I mean, 
you've obviously had a bit of a journey through different careers and it's taken you around different parts of the world um you know from the uk and ireland um, and then that's just set roots in, in new zealand now so what exactly is it like being the ceo of les mills international because i imagine you must wake up every day and think oh my goodness like this is huge like what i'm part of and you know what is that like it's awesome it, it, it honestly is a really fulfilling job and it's the hands down the best job i've had in my career to date um you know it comes with massive opportunity and it comes with massive expectation and and that's actually quite important for me because you know i know i'm at my best personally when i'm under the expectation of delivering and making sure that i actually make a powerful positive impact so every day it's that's what i'm looking to get out of bed to do and I've been in the CEO role now for six months. I have been a part of the Les Mills tribe for two years. Um, and the CEO role is still new. So I'm still learning. And um, I'm definitely out of my comfort zone. You know, I, I've, I've had, and it's been, a, it's been a goal of mine for a long time to, to lead a great New Zealand business. And having the opportunity to be a part of Les Mills and having the opportunity I have to play the role that I do is something that I really cherish. And I think that it's something that I can apply myself to for quite some time to come. You know, I think from my perspective, it's important that I help this company evolve and change. And I know that we've had an amazing 50 years and we've got so much history and heritage, but I'm also really mindful of the role myself and the team have to ensure we continue to evolve and also to stay relevant. So, yeah, we're, we're six months in. Um, we're definitely still learning and I'm loving it. You know, what's not to love? It's a, it's a job in an industry that is really about playing and having a positive impact on people's lives. So from that perspective, uh, it's an industry that's really close to my passion and something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Well, where do you see the future then? So we know that Les Mills has been around for over 50 years. So if I was to ask you, what do you think or what do you see the future is for the next 10 years? So the next decade? Yeah, it's a big question. You know, and I think... There's a lot of people in the fitness industry grappling with that question right now in terms of what is next. And, you know, the, the industry is going through massive disruption, but I think every industries are or so a lot of them have been already and will continue to change. And that's exactly where we're at right now in the fitness industry. So I think the way we as a business evolve needs to make sure that we continue to bring customers, whether that be our club partners, our instructors or the end member. We continue to bring them product that is exciting and relevant in their life. And I think we have a massive opportunity to build on what is a really, really strong platform to continue to do that. You know, at, at our core, we sell to 20,000 clubs around the world. So we partner with 20,000 clubs around the world. We've got 130,000 instructors in our tribe. And you, you've just got such a strong platform there to build on. Then at the same time, the role that digital is playing in the industry is massive. And we would be shooting ourselves in the foot if we weren't embracing that and using digital to help bridge that divide between what's happening in the physical environment and the digital environment. And I think we've got some really strong tools and some amazing assets to do that really well as a business. And I think if we do it well, we can be that business that really helps lead the fitness industry into the future. And I think we can be that business that provides an integrated fitness solution for our members, for our instructors, for our clubs. You know, that being the live experience, the virtual experience and the on-demand or at-home experience. Because I, I think you've got to offer them all in a way where we actually try and grow the industry. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's an and. I think we can be strong in both. And I think when we get the digital experience right, we're going to help continue to grow our core business, which is extremely important, which is the live and instructor experience. 
So there's a lot in there, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a real big question. And I've just spent the last week with some club customers here in New Zealand. We've had a couple, couple club chains from Japan. We've had a club chain from the Nordics and a club chain from Portugal down here for a few days for filming. And, you know, what's top of mind for them right now is how do you bridge that divide between the physical and digital? How does technology help make the live experience better? And also how might you use technology to get more people into the industry, to get more people falling in love with fitness, to help play a bigger role in changing people's lives? And wow, if you look at our business, we're really well set up to do that. Yeah, and I think sometimes there's that fear, isn't there, from especially from an instructor perspective, that that maybe that digital or virtual will take over, and you know it will start to you know affect the live instructor. But it's not. That's not the case. It's it's a collaborative approach, isn't it? It's as you just said, how it works together to create a bigger experience, and the instructor will always be the heart of what what happens with Les Mills, you know. Oh, it's, it's absolutely the case. You know, I think our live experience in our instructor community is always going to be the heart of our business, without a doubt. And I, and I, I definitely understand where the, the worry comes from when the industry is changing. You know, I think that's just human nature. And I think it would be silly to put our head in the sand and say that that's not the case. And at the end of the day, the digital experience is going to have an impact on how people feel, without a doubt. But I think as a business, we are totally committed to our core business, which is live and instructor. We're investing in our core business. But at the same time, if we're not looking to maximize the digital opportunity and using technology to help make our business stronger and to help ensure that we stay relevant in the lives of the customers, our customers, our club's customers, we're going to be missing an opportunity and someone else is going to do it. And for a business that's been around for 50 years, when we shape the future and when we play a role in leaving this industry out, digital is going to play a massive role in that without a doubt. But it's making sure that we get that balance right, because collectively, I believe it will help grow the pie. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So with your role, um, can you just talk us through what a typical day looks like? Because I imagine every day is very different. Um, lots of different things going on so if you could just give us what's a typical day so like yeah, today sure. for example what, what's on your agenda today well today today's a little bit more of a normal day which is actually quite nice um i i've had an interview this morning where we're looking for a new leader for our brazil business um so i had an interview with with someone down in brazil this morning um obviously we we're doing this this podcast now Mm -hmm. um, we've got some time with the team. We're, we're right in the middle of our next year budget planning cycle. So there's a lot of work around the plan for next year, where we're going to be investing, um, what's important, the areas that are most important for us to ensure that we're successful. So we're working with a team on how we prioritize that and how we bring that plan together accordingly. We've also got some customers down here at the moment, like I just mentioned. So there's some time with them. We've spent the last three days hosting them. And then there's filming. So we've been doing our next quarterly filming for the last four days now, started on Sunday. And um, today it comes to an end and then we're using the same filming set for a marketing shoot, um, which, is, which starts at about midday. So I've got to drop out there this afternoon to spend some time. So, so today's, a, I guess, a little bit more of a normal day. The last three days have been very much customer focused and spending time showing our customers around the business and helping them get an understanding of how we can help their business. And, and then I guess outside of work, it's, um, it's also making sure that I sharp right and um, you know, I'm connected at home. Um, so, so I normally try and work out in the morning. Um, my wife and I are pretty active. You know, we, we, did, uh, we did at home this morning, we did Lismos On Demand Body Pump. Um, so we'll train at home two mornings a week. I'll train in the gym two days a week. And then I'll normally try and run once or twice. So I'll train five or six days a week. Normally in the morning, if I can, I'm, I'm definitely at my best in the morning. Um, the kids get up at about seven o'clock. I've got two young kids, um, Cooper, who's six, and Georgia, who's four. So the morning is, is normally about getting them up and getting them ready for school. Um, Cooper goes to school. Georgia goes to daycare, um, getting them ready. 
And then I'm, I'm normally in the office about 7.30, quarter to 8. Um, I, I live reasonably close to the office, which is, which is awesome. And it takes me, it takes me about 10 minutes. Um, the weather here at the moment is amazing. It's, um, oh, so when, the weather here is terrible. Right in the middle we've, of summer. We've had snow and everything. So Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's looked <laughs> extremely bleak over there. But at the really? moment, here, the weather is awesome. And um, so I'm riding to work on my motorbike, which makes it a little bit quicker. Living um, so the dream. Living, living the dream. dream. So I can get here in under 10 minutes. And um, and then I'm normally at work until about 6.30. I try and get home for, for just before 7. So I can have dinner with the kids, read them a book, get them to bed. Um, and then, you know, with the business we are, and given that we have this international reach, specifically for the European part of our business, you're on calls at night. You know, you're dealing and talking to the team at night. Um normally starts at around eight o'clock, sometimes goes pretty late because if you don't use that moment in the evening or that moment in the early morning, you really don't have the opportunity to connect. So the day can end up being being long and I'm a big one for routine. I love my routine, um, but it's important to work out which parts of my routine are really important for me. So I guess the, the, the exercise and the workout piece is really important. I know that when I've exercised, when I've worked out, when I've been for a run, I'm definitely a better. I'm better at what I'm doing. I've got a clearer head and I can make better calls that work. Um, and then, you know, there's always other things that, that come up. You know, we're going through quite a lot of change in the business right now. Um, you know, we're centralizing our European team. We're going through some change in the US and we're making some changes here in Auckland. And we're doing that for the reasons I talked about earlier, which is making sure this business is fit for the future um, and making sure that we're relevant and continue to stay relevant. And, you know, change is always hard because you need to be investing and spending time with our people and spending time bringing people on that journey, making sure they're clear on the plan, clear on the story and actually can understand why we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned there that you go running twice a week. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be doing my first marathon in May. Good on you. Have, yeah. Have awesome. you ever done a marathon before? Have you done a yeah, marathon I've done, before? Yeah. I've done, I would like to say I've done six, six or seven. Okay. Why, why, why do I, I've done an Ironman as well. And obviously you do a marathon on the end of that. Yeah. But I think I've <laughs> I think I've done six other marathons. I've done Auckland a few times. I've done London three times. I've done Prague. And I think that might be it. And then I've done plenty, plenty half marathons. When, when I lived in the UK and when I lived in Europe, something we tried to do was, was travel every weekend and base it around a half marathon or a, or a marathon get around and see Europe and get around and see the UK. So, you know, I did the Great North Run a few times, which just gives you a really awesome opportunity to sort of get outside of London where we were living and experience the rest of the country. Yeah. So what, um, what tips do you have for me then? Because I, with it being my first marathon, I'm not too sure what to expect. The longest distance I've ran was a half marathon, which was about three weeks ago. So... What top when tips? is it? When it's did in, you say it's in May. It? It's the first weekend of May and it's in Belfast. Belfast. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, are you going for time or are you just going to finish it? I, I really just want to finish it. Yeah. So my, my advice would be go for time. And, okay. Uh, and I, <laughs> controversial, but what I found is when you give yourself a goal and it needs to be a goal that you feel comfortable, it might be a slight stretch, but you can still get there. If you give yourself a goal and you work towards it, you're going to have more clarity in your training. You're going to need to know how often you need to run beforehand, what type of training runs you're going to do. You know, you can just plan better. I think if you go into it just to finish it, you, you just leave so many things up for grabs. And you don't need to say, hey, I want to do it in two hours. You might be going, I want to do it under four. And, and, and that's fine. Um, but I think if you give yourself a goal and you can get some real clarity around, okay, how am I now going to do it? I think you're going to be more successful and you'll enjoy it more as well. Okay. Right. We'll, we'll set that right now. I want to do it in four hours. That's there we it. go. There we you go. Yeah, I, will, I will tag you on Instagram when I finish it and let you know my time. <laughs> good. Yeah. It's, um, it's, such a, it's such a good experience. I, I don't know what, about you if you, you said you've done a half but if you've done done a few I mean for me what I love about 
endurance type events is the mental challenge it gives you as well. You know, like you can train hard and you can get yourself and your body in a really good condition, but how you show up on the day, you just know that you're going to have some really big mental challenges along mm. the way as well. And it's like how you deal with those. And I think that's the thing I really enjoy about endurance events. And it's, it's probably the thing I got the most buzz out of from doing the Ironman and training for an Ironman is you go to some pretty dark places over those 11 hours. And mm. um, yeah, how you deal with it is, is something that um, you know, is, is within your control. And I know that's the thing I, I love trying to learn from others. And, and I think that's what sport gives you. you know, that's what I think sport and fitness gives you is just a really interesting perspective on getting yourself and your mind in the right, in the right place to, to show up well and to, um, to be effective and to really make a good impact. Yeah. So what inspired you to do the Ironman? Because that's, that's a real, real tough event. Was there any sort of inspiration behind that? Yeah, it was, it was odd. It, it sort of happened almost organically. I, I, um, I worked for Nike for a long time when we were living in the UK and Europe. And, you know, when you're around an environment where sport is central to what you do, you, 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 you I guess you get into things that you otherwise might not have. And I started running a lot. Like I always liked to run before I joined Nike, but I never ran as much as I did. So I started doing half marathons. I got into doing marathons, like I explained. I then did a, a big bike ride through France. It was called the Etape de Tour. And you do a stage of the Tour de France about a few days before the tour comes through. And I trained for that for quite a while. And it was, it was about 280 Ks. It was three, three coals. It was, a, it was a really, really good challenge. And I came off the back of doing that. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm pretty fit right now. I, I run a marathon a few months before I trained for this long bike ride. Maybe it's a great opportunity to sign up for the New Zealand Ironman, train for it through my, what was UK winter and, um, and give it a go. So that's what I did. You know, I, I've always loved swimming. I really enjoy swimming as well. So across all disciplines, I got myself fit and, um, Came back to New Zealand for a holiday because we were still living overseas and did the New Zealand Ironman back in 2011, I think it was. Wow. Like, hats off to you. Like, swimming is not awesome. my thing. Not my, just, oh my goodness, swimming is not my thing at all. But, well, um, Ricky, Ricky can give you a couple points. He, <laughs> I he know. Does, he does know. a fair bit of swimming. Yeah, he's actually doing his first Ironman in May. Yeah, yeah we're going out to Lanzarote. He's training hard for that. So um, maybe I'll be able to find the time to uh, have a chat with him on his podcast and, uh, and we can chat about that maybe. Oh, at some definitely. Point. Yep. Yep. That would be awesome. <laughs> so um, generally in life, who or what inspires you? Because obviously you've, you, you do a lot through your own training and sport and you find inspiration there. But is there any person that inspires you in, this, in the world? You know, there isn't one person. There just really isn't. Like, I don't look to one person and say, wow, I want to be like them. I want to be like her or I want to be like him. You know, there, there isn't that one person that I look to and get inspiration from. I, I get inspiration from so many people every day. And I know that probably feels a little bit like a cliche, but it's really true. I, 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 I get inspired quite often by people I work alongside you know, to see how they've achieved something or how they might have gone about it or done something very different to how I've done it before. So there's that daily inspiration through the contacts I'm having in my day-to-day -day in my life. I think that the area I probably get the most inspiration from would be from sport, uh, from teams, from individuals within teams. And what I love about that is, you know, as a business here at Les Mills, we're talking a lot about how do we build this business into becoming and continuing to stay a championship winning team how do we help people be at their best how can i make sure i show up as my best and the thing that i love the most about learning from teams is successful teams you know those teams that have won championships that have been able to front season after season is how they keep reinventing themselves and how they bring the best out of their players and how a rock star player also helps inspire a rock star team 
So that's probably the area I get the most inspiration from. So, you know, I read a lot around sport and around individuals. I also, I also try and read a lot around coaches. You know, there's a, there's a Pep Guardiola book that I want to read next that focuses on Barcelona and what was achieved there. And, you know, I remember reading a lot about Alex Ferguson and, and what he achieved in his time at Man U. And I just learn a lot from coaches because that's what I feel most excited about is how they get the best out of their people. So, so yeah, not one person, but those are probably the areas that I go to the most to, to get inspired or to learn from. Yeah. So you just said you get a lot of inspiration from the people that you work with um, day yeah. in and day out. Um, now, I think when you first joined Les Mills, you yeah. did your grit initial module training. Is that I did, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, it was about, I think I did it about six months in, or three, three, three to six months in. So yeah, not right up front, but after I'd been here a few months. And um, that was a really inspiring moment. Yeah, I was going to say, what inspired you to do that? Or did you just, did you want to see what the journey was like? Or did you yeah. want to teach the workout or? Oh, a bit of both, actually. I, I think, you know, I think for, for anyone in our business, if you haven't done an IMT, if you haven't been through what our product is, you're missing an opportunity. So the, there's definitely an expectation from me that everyone in our business goes through an INT, gets close to our core product, understands what we do, how we help our instructor tribe and community around the world, how we help our club partners. And there's no better way to do that than to go through it firsthand and to experience it. You know, I think the big thing with it also is getting yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, I am, um, yeah, we talk a lot about that is helping people be at their best. And I think what we do and what we teach within our IMT, but our instructor training as a whole, also our advanced training right now, helps people develop and grow, helps people be better. So I wanted to experience that that myself. Um, I'm not teaching any classes, no. And and if I'm honest with you, it's probably not... uh, big goal of mine to do and I think there's way better people that can do it much better than I can do it (laughs) but I definitely wanted to learn our product and I'd like to do another one I'd like to do either RPM or body pump Um, those would be the next two that I'd like to do within within the next year if I can not shabam no not shabam no not shabam I've I've definitely got two left feet so um (laughs) Um, I, I'm definitely not very strong in that department at all, but, um, but yeah, I, I think going back to your point of why, why I did it, that's, that's really it. Um, and I, and I think it's really important that everyone in our business experiences that to some degree, because you just can't beat knowing what the actual experience is like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge thing to experience and you put yourself in an instructor's shoes, you, you see, and you feel every single emotion that they go through when it beco- when they start to be- go on that journey. It's, you know, through the trainings that I've delivered, it's it's huge for people, like absolutely huge. Oh, it's life changing. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's absolutely life changing. And I think that's what's so inspiring about what we do every day. You know, that's so inspiring. And you can see why it's so powerful in terms of what instructors deliver, because it changes people's lives. And when done well, you can see the really positive impact you have on someone right there in front of you. And I felt it myself and we did it alongside, I think there were 30 of us from the Auckland central team that did it. And you could literally see the impact on people over a few days and how it helped them feel better about themselves, grow in self-confidence and probably just show up as quite a different person to that person that walked through the door a few days earlier. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, with with that experience that you've had, um, what advice then would you give someone who's new to teaching? Wow. Um, I mean, not having taught myself, I I think having observed and watched a lot of instructors and seeing who I connect the most with, probably the single piece of advice would be is back yourself. You know, I think back yourself, but learn from others. And why I say that is I think it's so easy to try and change your style and your way to fit in or who you think you should be. And I know there's an element of that in terms of making sure you show up and teach right and that your choreo is spot on, et cetera. But I think in terms of your style and your personal connection and how you bring that to 
the way you show up and the way you teach and lead that class on stage as I back yourself and have fun while you're doing it. Because when I'm in a class and I really feel like it's been an amazing experience, it's when the instructor's having great fun as well. Yeah, and just being authentic, isn't it? And as you say, being true to who you are and not ticking boxes and just, yeah, having that freedom going, to show your personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's not about going through the motions and it's very much about trusting in yourself and making sure you really believe in what you do and you just show up as a far better instructor when you do that, I believe. Yep. So the, the next question I want to ask you is around the clubs. Um, yep. You know, so you obviously, you travel a lot, you get to experience a lot of different clubs and club partners and what's going on around the world globally. So with any of the clubs that you have visited, um, what's the one thing that you experience that everybody does really well? Could there be, is there one thing that you think, okay, this is what's always done right? Yeah, I think... I think whether it's clubs or, you know, I used to work in the retail industry as well. Nike had a massive retail component. And when I look at our clubs, I see our club partners, I see them playing a very similar role to what retail stores might do. It's about the experience. And when I, when I feel a real connection, when I go into a club, it's the connection you feel with the people in that club whether that be the instructors or the teammates, or whether that be the members. You know, I think the community aspect of a club is massive. And I think the community aspect of motivation is massive as well. And I think clubs that are doing that well and getting it right really have a good feeling in that space. And what I mean by that is in the people in the community space. So I think clubs that are doing it well and I think you only need to look to some of the trends right now, you know, boutiques that are doing well or big club chains that are doing well are those that have a really clear identity. They know who and what they stand for. And therefore, they know who they're talking to. They, look, they know who they're looking to attract. Who are their members? And what are their members looking for? What are their members' needs every day? And they do a really good job of catering to those needs. So they create an awesome environment that makes their members feel one, motivated and at home and really excited to come into the club every day. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard one to answer because I think there's so many nuances within that. There's so many touch points that help make an experience great. But I think high level, that would be the single biggest takeaway for me. Hmm. And has there been any clubs that you've visited that um, you're just absolutely wowed at? Like everything is, you know, there's that sense of community, there's the experience, there's everything just seems like the perfect club. Have you ever experienced that through your visits? Oh, I think, I think a club that stands out for me is Midtown in Chicago. You know, they, they've been through a massive redevelopment as a club. They've got a really strong studio offering across their club. You know, group fitness plays a big, big part in what makes them successful. And you can see why they've got really clear experiences for each of these studios and the programs that they offer. And it's just a really nice, comfortable, inspiring environment. And I, and I think they've, they've invested in the right areas for their member base. And when you go in there, you feel it, you know, you feel it and you can feel the energy and the inspiration as a result. So that would be one that stands out. Cool. I've never experienced the club, but if I'm ever there, I will certainly yeah, you should. check it out for sure. Yeah, 100%. But I, I mean, you would, you would have multi, many examples, no doubt, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure you know, most instructors would. There would be that club that they really connect with, and they connect with it for so many reasons. They, they've got a really strong member base. They've got a really strong community and family feel. And the product is great. You know, and when you put all of those things together, the experience is something that just feels great off the back of it. Yeah, there's a, there's a club. Um, it's actually in Northern Ireland. It's called the Fit Factory. And it's just, there's, I can't put my finger on it, but when you walk in, you just feel part of it. Um, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's great. It's such a community feel and you just feel part of it. Even if you're not there as a regular member, they just open their arms up and welcome you in. So, 
that's special, real special. Yeah, it's 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 so easy to say as well, but for for club owners and GFMs, it's really hard to create. And I think as a business, Les Mills, like that's something we can help play a role in. We can help play a role in creating that environment with our club partners that just feels special. And, and you've seen it, you've experienced it, is when we get that right, when the Les Mills experience shows up as best as it can, I think we really help that club be successful with its members. Yeah, and it, it becomes more than just a workout, doesn't it, to people? It's more yeah. than a workout. It's, it's part of their life. It's, um, you know, we, we talked a lot uh, in the last few years through the AIM training about creating a love mark. So creating that um, commitment to a brand and that love for a brand, if it was to be taken away, it couldn't be replaced. And, you know, that's for me, that's what this club in Northern Ireland has. It's crazy. Awesome. I'll, I'll have to check it out when I'm. When yeah, I'm, you I'm should. You should. Away, I'll have to check definitely, it out. Definitely. Okay, Clive. So I've heard a rumor that we might be getting filming in the UK. Is this something that you can, can you divulge this information or? That's an interesting rumor. I am, I, there's nothing I can confirm, but I can say that we're, we're actively looking at how we could bring filming to the UK at some point in the future. You know, I think why that's important is we do our filmings internationally for our instructors. It's such a, a great opportunity to connect and inspire with inspire our instructor tribe. So we are working hard to try and create that opportunity. The other thing is we haven't done a live in the UK since I think early 2017. And if we can find the moment over the, the future years to do that in the UK, we would like to do it. So I don't have anything I can confirm right now but we are actively working on trying to bring filming to the UK at some point in the future. And as soon as we have something to share, we will be sharing it because the more people we can then get a part of something like that, the better the experience that it is. That is super exciting news. So you guys have heard it first here. We may, we may have something in the pipeline in the UK. So just watch this space, I guess, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, so I, when I had announced that you were coming on the podcast, I yeah. put it out on social media and some of the instructors came back to me with some questions. So we're just going to pop through some of those questions just now. Is that all right? Sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the first question that I have is, are LMI planning on launching any new products or programs soon? I think we, we're always looking to launch new products and and when I say new I think there's a bit of a spectrum in terms of what new is you know I think if, if I look at our products product strategy there's three parts to it there's an opportunity to keep evolving our existing products so how do we keep making them better how do we ensure that they stay relevant how do we make sure that the music the choreo etc is relevant for what members are expecting right now and we've, we've done that recently with grit we've done it recently with combat and we're just doing it right now with balance. So there's an opportunity to keep evolving our existing product. Then there's, there's always product in the lab. You know, we're testing product all the time. Two of the ones that we've tested most recently and we actually have put into some of our New Zealand clubs to test with members has been Ceremony and Conquer. So one's a functional training and one is a box and run training. And they've been going well albeit we are making changes based on feedback. So we'll keep testing those for probably another couple quarters before we look to make any further decisions around those. We're testing a few others. We're, we're testing something around stretch. We're looking hard at CX Works and what we might do to evolve that program. And then there's other things that are in the lab that probably can't say, but is definitely going to help us as a business continue to show up well. It's using technology. It's making sure that they're, is the technology um, component to the workout that might help bring an element of competition and leaderboard and a few other areas. So we, we're doing that every day. I mean, that's a big part of what our business is. Um, and, and I hope you know, people would take comfort from the fact that that is just a big part of how we innovate and keep evolving our product. Yeah, so, so it's really interesting what you said there about the lab. So could you explain a little bit more about that? Because 
for maybe some of the listeners, they, they maybe don't know what that is or, or what yeah, it looks sure. like or. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, the, the lab really for us is about product innovation and we, we have a couple stages to the lab process. So, you know, we, we have some studios here in the office in Auckland where we will test product in, and it's really early phases. And we will get external people and we'll get members, we'll get program directors, we'll get our existing community. And that's really the first stage of the lab. It's here in the studios, in the office, where the team starts to curate and build product. The next phase is if we feel like we've got something is we'll take it into an actual workout. So we'll, we'll, we'll work it through, we'll create an experience around it, we'll ensure that there's a strong connection between the choreo and the music and how it actually shows up into a product that we might be able to take to market in some regards. Then if that's successful, we'll actually look to put it into a club here in New Zealand. And that's really the stage within the lab process where we're testing it in more of a commercial environment. We're testing it with members and we're testing it for, does this work? Does this help the gym experience be better? Does it really add something that we don't have? And we've been doing that with Ceremony and Conquer now for, I think, over six months, maybe even close to nine. And we've learned a lot. We've changed the programs accordingly, but we've done the same with body balance or we've done the same with combat over the last six months. You know, We test and trial new product or extensions to our existing product as part of our lab process all the time. And what's great about having clubs here in New Zealand is that we can test them in an in-club environment. So before we then look to sell them to our club partners around the world, we know that they've been tested hundreds of times and we've been able to get the feedback and the research into it to make sure that we get them as perfect as we can. So the lab process is, it's really a process and it evolves from the lab here in the office to our gym here, one of our gyms here in New Zealand, before we then might look to test them overseas with other club customers. And that's really the final stage of the lab, lab process, which is testing with club customers somewhere outside of New Zealand. So we're testing Ceremony and Conquer now with Pure. Um, we're testing in Hong Kong and Singapore. They've opened a studio within their facility and Ceremony and Conquer is a part of what they're offering. And they've been testing that now for almost three months. Oh, that's, that's really cool because the, the next part to that question is actually, will Conquer and Ceremony, Ceremony be coming to the UK? Oh, we don't have any plans right now to say, yes, that will be happening on a certain time frame. but there's definitely a desire for us to bring this new product innovation to market in some form. How we do that and the way we do it is definitely still up for discussion and something we're working through right now. Because I think there's, you know, there's another part to our product innovation cycle, which is how we innovate for new distribution channels. You know, how do we innovate for new channels, whether that be the digital experience or within the live experience. And I think with Ceremony and Conquer or anything else that we're doing, there's a real opportunity to make sure that you also look at how the landscape, the, the fitness landscape is evolving today and making sure that as a business, we're really looking to cater to future needs from a distribution perspective as well. So we don't have any firm plans, nothing I can announce now. But from what I've explained, hopefully you get a feel for how that lab process evolves and how we really help make sure that we keep on innovating the product set that we offer. Yeah. Um, the next question that we have is around instructor pay. Yep. Okay. So what are your thoughts on instructor pay? Should clubs do more for the instructors and could LMI give guidance to clubs? Yeah, I think it's a really big and important topic. And I think for all of us that work in the fitness industry in some form, we absolutely all have a role to play to educate clubs on the benefit of instructors and paying them what they're worth. And I think there's a real opportunity there for traditional clubs to learn from boutiques. You know, I think instructor pay remains one of our industry's biggest challenges. And it's definitely where boutiques, I think, have stolen a march on traditional clubs because they see the real value of instructors. They see the real value of instructors in terms of 
bringing people into that club, into that studio, into that boutique. They see the value of the marketing reach that an instructor has. And I think they pay their instructors accordingly. And I think traditional clubs need to move in that direction. And as a business, we've, we've been pretty vocal about this. You know, we, we worked on a, a white paper with UK Active at the end of last year, which talked about this very topic. And we presented the facts that a, the value that an instructor brings to a facility. So as a business, we think we can keep lobbying hard in that space to present the value that instructors bring to clubs and to the industry as a whole. And it's something that we are, we're always working on in terms of how do we message it accordingly? How do we talk about it to the right people? We're working on something now in a, in a health magazine that I know will come out probably in the next couple months that will have an article on it about this very topic. Mm -hmm. And it's something that as a business we feel passionate about because our instructor tribe is the beating heart of our business. And it's such an important thing that we've got to get right is this instructor pay topic. So we can lobby, we can have a strong voice in this space and we definitely carry an obligation of continuing to do that. Great. The next question is around charity workout. So we've had workout for water. Um, what's next for any charity work that Les Mills will do? Are you going to continue with UNICEF or is there anything else happening in the future with any other, yeah. other charities? Yeah, we, we definitely have a desire to continue with UNICEF. You know, a big part of our business, and it's, it's one of the reasons I joined Les Mills was, you know, our purpose of creating a fitter planet. And I think that is very much yes about helping create and having a positive impact on people's lives, you know, healthy people, healthy planet. And I think the way that we're able to partner with bodies like UNICEF or others means that we can also ensure that we're giving back in other areas. So the Workout for Water workouts and programs that we've been running over the last three years now is a massive part of what we do and is what we feel really strongly about as a business, you know, sustainability, the environment, our impact on humanity and how we can help create a fitter planet is something that really goes deep into this business. I know with Philip and Jackie, and it's a big part of our culture and what we see as being important. So the partnership with UNICEF is, has been that, you know, we've been developing it now over three years. We're definitely looking at continuing the workout for water activity that we've got running right now, which is about raising funds for water projects in Ethiopia. And we know that we've still got a target we've got to crack there. So we haven't quite achieved the goals and the target we wanted to. We, we're, we're continuing, we're going again. And Diane is really passionate about that. So you're going to see more activity about that in the back half of this year. And in terms of what's next, I, I would hope you'll see just a continued build on that relationship and partnership that we've been forming. I loved um, the workout for water events that were were running throughout, you know, through the world and through the UK as well. And um, you get to make that personal impact, don't you, on on something um, and create create a real difference in the world. And I think with one of our values being change the world, this is definitely something that we can do through yeah. our work with UNICEF. So it, it, it definitely brilliant. is. It definitely is. And I and I think you know, Les Mills is the most purpose-led company I've ever been a part of with hands down. And I think when you have a purpose like creating a fitter planet and when you look at what attracts people to be a part of the tribe around the world, you're just working with people that want to be here for so much more than a day job. They want to be here for making that positive impact in people's lives and on the planet. And that's really hard to beat. You know, when you ask me about what's it like to be the CEO, it's, it's really hard to beat a job in an industry that is making such a positive impact on people and on the world and being a part of a really purpose-led organization. So yeah, you feel that every day and that's a big part of what this business is and what we will continue to be. Yeah, it's, it's the same, I think, whether you're an instructor, whether you're a trainer, you know, whether you're doing your role, it's, um, like you said, it doesn't feel like a job like every day, every time I go and do a module or it doesn't feel like a job. It's just, yeah, it's 
I do it because I do it and I love it and it's part of it's been a part of who I am for a long time and it, it always yeah it's awesome always that's awesome to hear and mm. you know I, I thank you and, and all the other instructors because the the role you play in this business and helping connect us to people and helping us live out our dream you just can't do without it it's invaluable and yeah as you say you can see and feel the passion amongst the people that are attracted to Les Mills and for me in my role that's a really big important part of the culture and the business I would like us to be into the future yeah I think when you when you love something as well you do all the extra stuff too don't you you, you always, know, always go without even thinking about it you just do it so yeah absolutely love my role um, as a trainer um, the last question I have from instructors is around um, diversity and inclusion. Um, yep. So are there any plans to making diversity and inclusion more viable across all aspects of Les Mills? Absolutely. I think as a business, we have to. Um, and, you know, diversity and inclusion is such a big, important topic, whether that be in our marketing, whether that be in our training whether that be in the people that we attract to this business. You know, I think we've got a real opportunity amongst some of our senior leaders in this business to bring more diversity and inclusion into the frame. And, and we're working hard on that. And at the same time, we're working really hard on who we represent and reflect in our marketing, the training, our advanced training and IMTs, really being mindful of the different cultures in which they taught. So I think diversity and inclusion for me goes so much deeper than just marketing. It's very much about the way the business is. And I think diversity of thought in any business I've worked in that has strong diversity helps it become a better place. So we're really proactive and deliberate in that area. And I think if you look at our masterclass filming for the last 18 months, we've really tried to evolve that. We've really tried to make sure that we've got a strong cross-section of our instructor tribe from different ethnicities, backgrounds, countries, um, and gender. You know, and gender is just one part of it. And I think if you look at our marketing and how we've tried to evolve that over the last 18 months, we've tried to do the same again. And I think it's important that we are reflective of the broad cross-section of people at the same time, we're also a business that's about motivation and results. And if I look at our brand and who I believe we stand for and should stand for in the market to make sure that we cut through, I want us to be that brand that is aspirational and premium. But at the same time, I want us to be inclusive and very accessible. And I think that comes through the language you use and the way that you market and sell your product and the journey you might take your instructors down. So yeah, long, long answer to your question, but to answer your question, it's something that's really important for me. It's something that's really important for us as a business and we're going to keep working at it. That's amazing to hear. Um, so I just want to finish by asking you a couple of questions, which are just random questions. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. Um, Go for it. So what was the last book you read? And why would you recommend it? Okay. Or audiobook, um, maybe you've listened to an audiobook. Yeah, one was an audiobook, one was a book I read actually. I read them both over the Christmas break. Um, one was called um, Exponential Organizations. And it was a book on how an exponential organization is a new age business and how this new age business can be 10 times more successful than some of its peers within its industry. And it can be successful because it's adopted new age practices. So how it approaches people, diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. product innovation, experimentation. So it's, it's very much a business about looking at how successful businesses today need to operate differently. So I read that one over the break. And, and for me, I, I love to read business, uh, books that are around business because they help me learn and grow and definitely stretch me some of my, my thought process today. And then the other book that I read, which I read over the break as well, was called Great at Work. And it's this book that really looks hard at top performers and how top performers can do less, work better, and produce better outcomes. And really at the heart of it, it was around this notion of do less and then obsess what you do. 
And it's the rallying cry for us as a business for 2020 is how can we as a business do less and obsess? Because I think it's so easy to just get stuck in doing so many things. And when you really look at it, being clear on are all those things adding the value you want them to add? And if they're not, why? And why wouldn't you stop them and put the effort into something that's really making a meaningful impact? So they would be two. One was called Exponential Organizations and the other one was called Great at Work. And um, yeah, two really good books. Perfect. Well, what we'll do is I'll, um, I'll put that, those books in the show notes. If anyone wants to check them out, then they, they can. Sounds good. And if yeah. anyone has any questions for me on them or, um, yeah, just hit me up. No problems. Perfect. Uh, and the last question is, what is the best thing that you have bought under the value of 100 New Zealand dollars? 100 New Zealand dollars? Yeah. What's the best thing you've bought? Say, so, um, it's a tough question. 100 New Zealand dollars. I, I, I think the thing I've bought that probably using and getting the most value out of would be my Netflix subscription. <laughs> it's, it's probably a little bit more, but it's in that vicinity. And what, what are you watching on Netflix at the moment? What are you binge watching? I, I, I really <laughs> love watching documentaries. Um, also, over the break with my wife, we watched um, El Chapo, which, which, was, which was great. Um, really enjoyed that. Watched a documentary um, a, a few weeks ago called Aaron Hernandez which was about an NFL player and, you know, his sort of rise up and well, the way it ended was just was, was not great in terms of the impact of the sport on him, on his life. And he ended up taking his own life and why, and it sort of played back that story. And it was fascinating. And again, you know, I talked earlier about learning from others and specifically learning from sport. And there were some, amazing lessons in there for I think coaches that really should have played a bigger role in this person's life in terms of helping them show up and be their best because they really let a person down so that was a that was a big one and um, the other one or oh, the other one that I read uh, that I watched that I've really enjoyed was Game Changers I've not and watched it yet I need to watch it I've you should it. you should yeah. it's um I watched it just before Christmas, actually, and then I had to go to the UK for a week for work. And I, I swore to myself that I would not eat meat while I'm away. And I tried my best. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to go all vegan, but I definitely stayed off meat for a week. And that in itself was really hard. But it's something I've, I've really tried to change my lifestyle off the back of watching. You know, so as a family, we, we would eat less meat now, and we'd be very mindful of. The food we're eating and try to get more plant-based into our diet and um yeah i found that really interesting and i, and I know it's very one-sided and you can read up a lot on it and there's two sides to it for sure but i think even the environmental impact that they showed through the back end of that that video was was a huge reason why we need to be more sustainable and ethical in terms of the lives that we live yeah, so I'll, I'll long, definitely need to watch that. That's a long answer to your question of below 100 New Zealand dollars, but I think, yeah, net, my Netflix, Netflix is probably there and thereabouts. Netflix, cool. Well, I'm conscious of time because I know that you're a hugely, hugely busy, busy person. So I just want to say thank you very much for coming on to my podcast. Um, it's been amazing to talk to you and chat to you and just get to know you a bit more. Um, and it's been just incredible. So thank you yep. so much. Absolute pleasure. No worries at all. I know we've been trying to line this up for a little while, so it was great to be able to make it work. And um, I, I saw I saw on one of your social channels the other day that you're recording or just recorded with Bus. So yes. we um, we've got a hard act to follow, no doubt. <laughs> but we'll oh, do, ba we'll... Bass was a he was typically the joker that he is. So uh, yeah, it was. It was fun, but this has been hugely fun as well, hugely informative, and I've learned loads in the last hour um, for a company oh, that you. I've been involved with for a long time, um, and it's great to just get your perspective on where things are going and the future, and it's really exciting. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I've really enjoyed the time, and like I said, you know, when you when you asked if I'd join, I was, I, I was really humbled, actually, and um, love to be a part of these things, and definitely happy to 
to do more of it. I think it's important that as a business, we use these opportunities to tell our story as well as a business and what's important and why we think it's important for our customers and the role that we can and continue to play. Because if you're not proactively doing that, you know, you leave a lot of things up for interpretation. And then I think as a business, like you said, we've got such an exciting story and we've definitely got an exciting future ahead. And I'm, I'm excited to be able to play a role in that with you. So thank you. I know. Thank you. I can't, I can't wait to see what happens over the next year, next 10. I'm sure I'll still be teaching in 10 years time, hopefully. But thank you so much. And no, I no will worries. see you in Rhodes, perhaps. Yes, definitely. We're going to be in Rhodes and um, we're, we're back at the same place and we've opened registrations already. So hopefully people can get in with early and cheap flights now. Yeah, I hope the training for the marathon goes well and that um, you, you smash the four-hour mark. No doubt you will. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, cheers, Lindsay. Have a cool. good one. Thanks. Good to chat. You've been listening to the Lindsay Morrison Podcast. Be sure to give us a review on iTunes.